0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. But I want to pose this question when are winners losers? When are winners losers? And the answer to that question, biblically, is always winners are always losers. And, we'll, and, and I'll explain what that means in just a moment when uh, we look at, at Mark chapter 9. But in God's economy, winners are losers. In the world's economy, uh, and in God's economy, also in the same way, winners are also losers. So we said the same thing, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll explain it in just, in just a moment. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse number 33. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 says, And he came to Capernaum. And being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves? By the way, the disciples had been disputing among themselves, were arguing about something. Jesus knew. Jesus could tell. Uh, Jesus uh, heard, overheard them arguing, but may not have necessarily heard exactly what they were saying. But we understand Jesus is all-knowing, and, and Jesus knew what it was they were talking about. Um, and whenever God asks you a question, you, you don't hide the answer, because he already knows the answer. Uh, a dean of men in college, who, uh, his name was Brother Oxendine. And if he asks you a very pointed question, I, I, I answer things honestly as best I can. I'm, I'm not a fan of people lying and being sneaky and all that. Um, so I, I, I believe in just the, the way that I am that by the grace of God, I would answer his questions honestly anyway. But you understood with Brother Oxendine, if he asked you a pointed question, he most likely ought to do the answer. So it was in your favor to answer honestly. I, I, I remember one time in college, I... Um, I was getting a little high in demerits, unfortunately. I was a freshman. I was only 18 years old, and I was not very mature. Um, I I hope eight years later, 26 years old, I'm a lot more mature. Uh, I hope so. Not sure, I guess. I I, I think I am. Um, But I I had uh, gotten some demerits. Nothing sinful, nothing terrible. I guess it was sinful because I was supposed to clean my room. I was supposed to be on time to class, so I guess those were were bad. Um, But it wasn't anything like I was being immoral and being just wicked and I was going out to the bar and anything like that. I was just making stupid mistakes, um, and I had gotten a lot of demerits, and I was interested to know how many demerits I had, and so I asked one of the, I, and another thing that I still have not quite gotten past, I lost my key to my mailbox. I lose things all the time. Lost the key to my mailbox, um, and so I would have to knock on the mail room door, ask the mail lady to give me my mail. Sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. Um, or I could get the security guard to get my mail for me, because he had the key, um, and I asked the security guard, I think his name was Daniel Bird, and I asked him, I said, Daniel, could, could, would you be able to let me in the mail room so I can get my mail? I want to know how many demerits I have, because I knew my demerit sheet would be in there. I didn't know how many demerits I had. Um, and he said, no, I can't do that for you this time. And so I said, okay. Um, and then I knew somebody who knew how to get into the mail room. Now, this is where I ended up doing something I should not have done. Um, and she was able to, with, we kind of worked together, and she was able to stick her hand through a broken mailbox, open the door, I went in took my mail, got her mail for her too, because that was just the gentleman thing to do for sure, um, and got her her mail, and then I made the dumb mistake. I ran right by the security guard with my mail in my hand. The one who had just told me, no, I can't get it for you. You lost your key, but I won't get it for you. The next day in chapel, um, I get the, during announcements, that says Andy Morris, uh, Brother Oxnard would like to see the following people in, in, in his office after chapel, and one of the names was Andy Morris. I knew exactly who he was going to ask about. I, I knew what I had done, and he asked me, why I broke in the mailroom. Um, and we went on, and, and he called me in his office again. And he asked me this question. He said, I showed him how we broke in the mailroom. I was trying to keep the other person out. So I guess I said, I don't like being sneaky, but I guess in this way, I was, I was trying to, this is how it happened, but I didn't say this is how she did it. I said, this is how it happened. I didn't say this is how I did it. And the next day he said, who helped you? Just very much like Jesus here saying, what were you disputing about? Jesus knew the answer. I knew Brother Ox, I knew somebody helped me. And so I said, it was Josie. She helped me break into the mailroom. I had 50 demerits, and it, it, before breaking into the mailroom, I was threatened with um, going to jail because I had broken into a post office technically. Uh, but anyway, I learned from my mistake there. I understood when Brother Oxton asked me a question, I knew he knew the answer, uh, and, I, and so I wasn't going to hide. And the disciples here were asked a question by Jesus saying, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. They didn't want to tell Jesus, even though he already knew. Um, just this isn't the message, but along those lines, as, as I just said, when the Lord asks you a question in your heart, He knows the answer. When the Lord asks you a question from His Word, He already knows the answer. Don't hide from Him. Uh, Adam, where art thou? Where, where are you, Adam? God knew, but He was trying. He was giving Adam an opportunity. Cain, what have you done? Cain, where's your brother? God knew where his brother was. Um, so God was asking us these questions to get us to be honest. And He sat down and called the twelve, verse thirty-five, and saith unto them, If if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child and set, them in the midst, set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of, the, uh, one, one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Read with me verse number 35 um, out loud together. If you're there, verse 35, ready, begin. And he sat down... And call the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. We'll pray, and we'll talk about this. When are winners losers? Lord, I thank you for this day, and thank you for the time we have together. Thank you for the great week of snow camp that we had with the teens. Uh, Lord, thank you for their parents, um, many of their parents paying their way. And Lord, thank you for the parents, and Lord, those who are here today, who went went to work today, uh, and labored, and, um, and, and Lord, are here today in church. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with us now as we at your word. I pray to help us to apply it to our lives. And, Lord, I pray that we'd be winners in life. We'd be successful, but not in the world's eyes, but I pray we'd be successful in your eyes. And, Lord, I pray it would help us uh, to understand this, this uh, principle from your word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the eyes of the word of God, you win. Uh, I'm sorry, in the eyes of the world, you win by being at the top. Get to the top, and you're a winner. Doesn't matter who you have to go over. It doesn't matter who you have to climb over. Doesn't matter who you have to cheat. Doesn't matter who, what you have to lie about. Doesn't matter how you get there. If you're on the top, you're successful. If you're on the top of the ladder, you're the winner. But in, in the truth, and in God's economy, in God's word, the winner is the one at the bottom. The winner is the servant. The winner is the one who is the loser. The, the winner is the one who has lost it all for the cause of Christ. In the world, they say, "Well, that person's a loser. They have nothing. They, they have nothing to show for." It, but God says, "That person's a winner." The person that loses uh, it all for, for Christ's sake, Jesus said, if, if a man shall lose his life for my sake, he shall gain his life. But if a man shall gain, it, gain the world, he'll lose his life. And so we go after the things of the world. We go after what the world's going after, but God says you're losing. God says you're not being successful. Uh, the world may say you're successful. They may put you on a pedestal, but as soon as that money's gone, as soon as that fame's gone, as soon as that talent's gone, you're on the bottom. And not in the, in this, in the sense that God, God is giving here, you're forgotten. You're put to the side. But God says, no, go to the bottom, and I'll take you up to the top. God says, if you're going to be a winner, you've got to be a loser. And if you're going to be a loser in life, then in the, eye world, the, then the eyes of the world, then you'll, you'll be a winner. But their perspective is, who do you want to be a winner in the eyes of? Who do you want to be successful? Young people who went, went to camp and made decisions, who do you want to be successful in the eyes of? The eyes of the world? the eyes of Hollywood, the, the, the eyes of your peers, or in the eyes of God. And I, I, I would say, in my life, I desire to be successful in the eyes of God. Young people, if you will be successful in the eyes of God, you'll be successful in the eyes of the right people. So often we try to please the wrong people, and in doing so, we don't please God. And in doing so, we don't please our parents. And in doing so, we don't please the authorities that God has given us. But if we'll seek to please God, then our parents will be pleased, then, then our pastor will be pleased, then the authorities, our teachers, the authorities that God's put in our life, they will be pleased, they will be happy, and even if they're not, you please God, and that's what's most important, and we need to make sure that we please God. We're going to talk this evening, just, just quickly, um, three keys to being successful in the eyes of God, three words that many of us don't really like, three words that are often associated with being a loser, but God says, if you'll do these three things, you're a winner in my eyes. And that's what's most important. Number one, uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 talks about humbling ourselves uh, in in the eyes of the Lord. None of us like to be humble. Uh, None of us like to humble ourselves. Uh, It's natural for us to be lifted up in pride. But the first word that I'd like to to talk about is, is number one, submitted. If you're going to be successful in God's economy, you must be submitted. 1 Peter 5, 6 um, gives this idea, gives, gives this thought Um, about being humbled, being submitted um, in the eyes of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God says, you lift yourself up, I'll put you down. But he says, humble yourself in my eyes, submit yourself under my hands, and I'll lift you up in due time. When God's ready, he'll give you the success. When God's ready, he'll he'll, he'll make you the winner uh, that he wants you to be, but you've got to humble yourself. I tell our teens this uh, often in speaking with humility. Um, Humility is when we humble ourselves, and, and that's somewhat easy. The hard thing is when we are lifted up in pride and God humbles us, but his humbling is not humility. His humbling is humiliation. And God will humiliate us, not in the sense of embarrass us or make us look bad necessarily, but in our own eyes, we'll be humiliated. You ever been humiliated before? Just, it's, it's not a comfortable feeling. But for God to get our attention at times, to get rid of the pride in our lives, the Bible says pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. God's saying if you are lifted up in pride, in order for me to use you, I'm going to have to humiliate you. I'm going to have to bring you low. But God says if you'll just bring yourself low, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due season he'll lift you up. He will exalt you if you'll humble yourself. But if you exalt yourself, then you'll, you'll see humiliation. And so make sure we we're uh, submitted, sorry, submitted um, to the Lord. Two definitions for, for submission. Uh, number one comes from military. It means this idea to rank under, to recognize your place. Um, in the military, everyone's important. Everyone is useful. Everyone's special so long as they recognize their place. Everyone has a special purpose, a special place in the military. And if it got all out of order, and if the person, and if the new recruits say, you know what? I'm not going to listen to the general. I'm going to do what I want to do, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, we're, we're, there's going to be disarray. There, there, there's going to be confusion. There's going to be lives lost on the battlefield if someone who's supposed to be under someone says, you know I'm going to do what I want to do. But oftentimes, uh, and, and the world gives this idea, do what you want to do. Follow your heart. Do what seems right to you when God says, no, do what says, what's right in God's word. Do what my word says. Recognize your place and God can use you. This is very, it's very much the same in the church. It's the same way in God's economy. Recognize the place that God has you, and he can use you. It doesn't mean you're less important. It doesn't mean you're less special. Just because you're not the pastor doesn't mean you, 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 you're, you're less important. No, we're all important. We all have a place, but when we recognize our place, that's when God can really use us. Um, and, 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 and Paul talks about it. Does the hand say to the foot, you're, I have no use of you because you're a foot and I'm a hand? No, I'm thankful to have hands and feet. I'm thankful for every part of my body. I'm not going to say, you know what, I don't really like this hand anymore. I'm going to get rid of it. I'd have, some, I'd have some trouble. I'd have some issues. I'm thankful for every part. And in the same way, the church, the Lord's thankful for every part. We're thankful for every part of the church, but we've got to recognize, uh, I, I understand, my, my, my hand is not going to do very well in soccer. I, I'm not going to do very well in soccer just because I don't like soccer. But if I'm going to play soccer, my hand's not going to do very well. i say, you know what? Hand, I'm going to take over today. No, I'm going to get called for a penalty every single time I touch the ball. My foot is the one that's necessary in that. Uh, and then there's, there's, we all have different gifts. We all have different talents, different abilities. But we've got to recognize and got to submit to God's authority. And then we can be successful. And then God can use us. In the Lord's army, it's vital we recognize um, the chain of command. First and foremost, we need to submit ourselves to God's word. We need to submit ourselves to God himself because he is our authority. God's word is our final authority in all matters of truth and practice. It, it, it is our authority for life. We've got to submit under it. Uh, when it comes to the church, we must submit to our pastor. He is the person that God has put in charge, humanly speaking, to lead the church. He, he is not God. He, he, he is not perfect. We understand that. But that's who God has put in place to lead his church in the direction that God leads him. And it's our job not to say, you know what? This is how it should be done. No, no. I'm part of the church. I'm a member of the church. And this is what the head of the church, obviously we understand Jesus ultimately is the head of the church, but he has put all around an ind- independent, um, uh, ch- autonomous churches, pastors to lead, shepherds to lead, and we're supposed to follow him. Uh, And and we're we're supposed to follow as, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So as long as our pastor is following Christ, following God's word, then we are to follow. We're to rank under. And God can use us. But churches that say, you know what, I don't like the way the pastor's doing that. Did you you see what pastor did the other day? Did you hear what pastor said? Oh, what about that, that money that pastor wants? Oh, what about that building program? Oh, what about this? Well, what about the bus kids we're bringing in? And when people start doing that, churches have issues. Churches begin to crumble. Churches begin to break. We, there are churches all over the country where people don't submit to the authority God's put, and the churches fall to the wayside. The churches are not successful because we want to be great, but we'll be great my way. No, Jesus said, those would be greatest, be the least. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I like doing that sometimes in, in school um, to, to some of the teens. Uh, they, they say, I'm going to be first. They say, yeah, you can be first, and then, then, I, then I bring out that verse. The first shall be last, and then we just switch the whole order of the line. Uh, sometimes... Then they say, okay, I'm going to be last this time, so that I'll be first. And then, they, then th- their motive was wrong, and so I just keep them last. Um, so they never, know what, what, what's, which, they never know which way they want to be. If they're smart, they'll say, I'll be in the middle. Like my name, Morris, whenever they go by last name, I'm always in the middle. Don't have to worry about being first or last, always right there in the middle. Um, anyway, uh, young people, you need to submit yourself to pa- your parents. God has given you your parents for a reason. God's put you in the family that you're in for a reason. We can't pick our parents, Uh, we can't pick our siblings, we can't pick the family we we grew up in. Um, But God's given them to you, you need to submit. Submit yourselves um, to them that have the the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. Obey them to have the authority over you, for they watch for your souls. Submit. Rank under. The other definition, um, I think of in wrestling. Wrestling, when someone submits, is when they give in. They said, I am done fighting. And oftentimes, we fight God. We fight the authorities we have in our life, and we don't see God's blessing because we're just fighting. We're fighting, we're fighting, but God says, just give in. In high school wrestling, um, I, I went to, I didn't wrestle growing up, um, and whenever I've wrestled anybody who has wrestled, I like instantly lose. I know there's a lot of technique to it. It um, doesn't matter how big you are, small you are, if you know the technique, um, you, you, you can pin just about anybody I know, um, not from personal experience, just from watching and, and seeing some people. Uh, but I went to a wrestling match with one of our teenagers. He moved from the area um, recently in this past year, but went to a wrestling tournament. And it was just very interesting to watch. It was enjoyable. First time I'd ever been to something like that. Um, but you see, um, there, there's no knockouts in wrestling, uh, in, in, in real wrestling, not in the, the fake wrestling um, that the, they paid millions of dollars for. In real wrestling, there's no knockouts. You don't punch somebody out and hope they don't get up. It's you, get, you wrestle them to the ground and get them to submit, to, pa- to tap that tape. That tap that ground and say, I give up. I can't get out of this. And oftentimes we wrestle with God, just as Jacob in uh, Genesis chapter 32 wrestled with the Lord. And he, he wanted God to bless him, and, 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 but God would not bless him until he submitted, until he let go, until he surrendered himself, submitted to him, stopped fighting. And when, and when Jacob stopped fighting God, God changed his life. And if we'll stop fighting God, young people, if you'll stop fighting your authorities, you'll be able to see God bless you. You'll be able to see um, God bless your life. Because one day you're going to be a parent. One day you're going to have children and you're going to pray that they don't fight you the way that you fought your parents. And oftentimes God, I don't know if it's God has a sense of humor or it's God just tries teaching us, um, just submit to your parents. Listen to the authorities God has in your life because one day you're going to be an authority. And and, and if, if you really think about that, that's a scary thought. When I was a teenager, to think that I would one day be a youth pastor, I'd be in the Florida, I'd be a parent. I'm in charge of two um, two kids. One's two, and those about almost eight months. That's scary. Um, and I, I hope that they, don't, I pray they don't fight me. Hope they they're submissive to me in the sense that that I'll I'll, I'll listen to what you say. That I'll, I'll listen to your advice. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm going to make mistakes. Um, but I'm thankful that our heavenly Father doesn't make mistakes. That we can submit to Him. We can say, God, I'm done fighting. In high school wrestling, when you submit, you lose. But in wrestling with God, you submit, you win. When God wins, we win. When God gets his way, we win. Uh, When God's desires come about, we win. So long as we stop fighting. So long as we stop wrestling with him. So long as we submit to him and say, God, whatever it is you want, that's what I want. And then we win. And we're winners. Uh, Even though it takes some losing. Even though it takes some humbling. Submit yourself To God. Next, uh, go go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, We need to be submitted. If we're going to win, we've got to submit. We say, well, that's what losers do. When you submit, it means you've lost. No, in God's economy, when you submit, it means you're beginning to win. It means you've won. It means you're down the path of victory, down the path of success in God's eyes if we submit. Next is surrender. We must be surrendered to God. Must be surrendered to his will. Must be surrendered to his way. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, Matthew 24, verse 16, Matthew 16, now verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall be profited if he shall, if what, shall man, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and shall lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's surrender. Surrendering your will. Surrendering your way. Uh, he said, whoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's surrender. And I, I, I think of in time of war when two sides are fighting. Um, one recognized that it is not going to win. We will not win. Um, and they would surrender. And the sign of surrender was a white flag. They'd wave that white flag. And sometimes they, they'd walk out in the middle of the battlefield waving that white flag. What were they saying? we surrender. We give up. You win. And it would be good for us as Christians to give in to God and wave the white flag and say, God, I surrender. God, I give in. Whatever it is you want, I give in. Whatever your terms are, I surrender. Uh, I I, I remember uh, learning in history um, of the Civil War and Lee's surrender, uh, that courthouse. I never really know how to pronounce Uh, that. Appomattox. I, I don't know if that's correctly right. Correctly right. That was a double positive, I think. Anyway, I'm breaking all types of, all, all I'm just going to stop. Um, heads about eyes closed. So I can't speak English. Um, Lee's surrender there to, to Grant. Um, just to have some things here. President Lincoln wanted peace to come to the Union, and he felt he needed to treat the Confederate soldiers such that they would not rebel again. The terms of the surrender were very generous. Confederate soldiers would have to turn in their rifles, but they would return home immediately and keep their horses or mules. They would also be given food, as many of them as many of them were hungry. And so Pre- uh, President Lincoln said, okay, we, I, I, I don't want any more death. I, 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 as much as they've rebelled and as much as they've, uh, they've gone against us, I, I, we, want, we want to have a union that will stand together. And so he was very generous in his terms of surrender. Oftentimes, um, the terms of surrender are not very kind. They're not very generous. All right, you're, you're going to have to stay here in this camp. All right, you're going to have to say you're, you're our prisoners now. Um, but President Lincoln said, no, no, we're going to treat them kindly. We want to win them back. We want to... Um, have them enjoy citizenship again. And, and such is the same as our surrender to the Lord. When we finally wave the white flag, God doesn't say, okay, now you're my prisoner. Now you do what I say. No, He says, no, we'll, I'll, I'll feed you. I will bless you. I will take care of you. But you're going to have to give yourself to me. But you're going to have to turn in those things that will be against me. And that's what surrender is just as those soldiers had to turn in their rifles, turn those things that they could use to harm um, their enemy at the time. And oftentimes, we become enemies of God. It's sad to see that Christians become enemies of God, but the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. And when we become friends with the world, we become God's enemy. And we have to come to the place where we wave that white flag and say, God, I surrender. I am not gonna be a friend of the world anymore. I am turning over these things that would harm you. I am turning over these things that are against you and I want you to provide for me. I want you to take care of me, and God will bless. There were many more soldiers and armies throughout the South that had not yet surrendered. Obviously, you understand the time in the 1860s, there was no cell phones. There was no internet. There was no TV. There was, I, there was barely radio or anything like that. There, there was, uh, I, I guess, probably um, the, the telegraph and they are able to maybe send a Morse code. And I might, I might even be wrong on my history there. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they had that at least. But it would have taken a while to get a message. So there were still people fighting. There were still people battling. But as news broke out of Lee's surrender, they said, the war is over. It's done. It's useless to fight. Let's, let, let's surrender. And all it will take to end a war against God of, in, in, in the Civil War, it was brother against brother. It was... United States citizen against United States citizen is really what it was. And in our battles, oftentimes, it's son of God against God. It's child of God against God. And we need to surrender. We need to wave the white flag and say, God, I'm done fighting you. I'm going to surrender, and I want you to bless me. And when word came out that Lee had surrendered, the greatest of the generals, probably greater than any general that even the Union had, he was a great general. When he surrendered, they all said, we're done. We surrender. And all it would take to have a revival in our country is if a group of people would surrender to God, and then, we, and then other groups would say, you know what, they surrendered, we're going to surrender. We're done fighting against God. We're, we're done going against God. We're done doing what we want to do. We're going to wave the white flag. And if people all around the country, if a wave would spread of people surrendering, waving the white flag to God, we could see change in America. We could see revival. We could see our country come back to him. But it's got to start here. It's got to start in your heart. Uh, if, if it's going to affect your family, husbands, it's, it's got to start with you. If, if it's going to affect us, it's, it's got to start with each and every one of us saying, I surrender. And there will be a wave across our church, a wave across our state, a wave across our country of people waving the white flag and saying, God, we surrender. And God will bless us. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sins will reproach any people. And if there is a wave of people surrendering and giving into the righteousness of God, we will see blessing. We sing the song all, all, often. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily. But when we sing it, do we mean it? I hope we do. It's a daily thing. We must surrender to God. Surrender to the Lord. And lastly, and I'll, I'll, I'll hasten, um, serving. Three words that we don't like. Submission, surrender, and service. They go against our human nature. Human nature is, serve me. Human nature is, oh, go get that for me. Human nature is, uh, and, 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 and in the world, in our society, the people that are successful are the ones that have servants. The people that are successful have the butlers. The people that are successful have the maids. The people that are successful have the people serving them, getting them coffee, doing this for them, doing that for them. Uh, those are the successful people. God says, no, 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 that, that's not success. Successful is being a servant. Now, when, when I say all this, having money is If somebody has money, in God's eyes, it doesn't doesn't mean that they're unsuccessful. But if that's the goal in their life, they're unsuccessful. There are a lot of people that are wealthy, that use their wealth for the Lord. Um, Maybe I don't know if I should say a lot, because wealth definitely can do that to keep you away from the Lord. But there are people who um, use their wealth, use their money, use their success in the things of the world for God, and that that is a successful person, because what they've done is said, my life's not about this. If I've got it, I'm gonna use it for the Lord. Um, But an unsuccessful person says, I've got servants, I've got things, like the, like the, the, the fool in the Bible, uh, the, the rich fool that said, I will break down my barns, I will build up greater barns. It wasn't the, God didn't say he was a fool because he was rich. God didn't say he was a fool because he, he was successful. No, he was a fool because that was his focus. That was what his life was all about. But life needs to be about serving. And if God's blessed you with money, then you can come serve me anytime you like. I'm just kidding. Um, but if God's blessed you with money, if God's blessed you, whatever God's blessed you with, use it to serve him. Whatever talent God's blessed you with, use it to serve him. Whatever uh, finances God's blessed you with, use it to serve him. Whatever poverty God's blessed you with. Say, is that a blessing? If that's what God's given you, that's a blessing. Whatever state you are, Paul said, I I have learned whatsoever state I am there with to be content. And so whatever condition of life that God's put us in, it's a blessing. And we can serve him in it, but we need to make sure that we serve. Uh, In the world, it's a race to the top, but in Christianity, it's a race to the bottom. And Jesus was our example. Um, In in Philippians chapter 2. I told you to go to Matthew 27, verse, uh, verse 27. Um, very similar, to he, Jesus said, he that would be chief among you, he would be the greatest, let him be the servant of all. And then Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, number 5, last passage we'll look at and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus was our example in service. He didn't just say be a servant, he was a servant. He didn't just say, if you want to be greatest, serve. No, he said, I'm going to show you who's the greatest because I'm going to be a servant of all, because I am the greatest, because I am God. And so uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. said, have this mindset that Jesus had, who being in the form of God, thought of not robbery to be equal with God, because he was God. Uh, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he humbled himself, he submitted, he surrendered. Wherefore, verse 9, God hath highly exalted him. Give him a name that is above every name. At the the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus said, I will be your example of servant. Have the same mindset I had. Humble yourself and be a servant. Jesus didn't have to be a servant. Jesus did not have to humble himself. He had angels. He had everyone bowing to him already. But he put that aside and said, I will serve, I will take on flesh, I will become a man so that I can save them, so that I can serve the people, so that I can serve those who have rejected me, so I can serve those who've hated me, so I can serve those who've broken my law. He was a servant. He didn't care who it was, didn't didn't care what he'd get out of them. He said, I'm going to serve. Even if nobody accepts me, Jesus still would have died for us, Jesus still would have came and served us. But I'm, I'm thankful that. Most of us, if not all of us, hope all of us, uh, have accepted Jesus and have benefited from his service. And when you serve people, you you benefit people. I've been benefited by the service of people of our church. Uh, I I hope that you've been benefited by my my service. I I know I need to be a better servant. I have a desire to serve God because that's God's plan, for us to be servants. And we benefit from each other. And what happens is, here's what happens when we serve. If all of us will serve, all of our needs will be met. But if we seek to be served then none of our needs will be met. Because if we are always seeking to have others serve us, and if we all have that attitude, nobody gets served. But if we all have the attitude, I'm going to serve everyone. And if you have that attitude, I'm going to serve everyone, then everybody gets served. Same way in our marriage. My wife and I talk about this, that if I meet her needs and she meets my needs, both of our needs get met. But if we both seek to have our needs met, most times our needs probably won't get met. But if we'll serve each other, all of us will be served, and we'll all have the things that we need. Serve God. Serve the Lord. There's ways you can serve. The Bible talks about serving the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord as a family. Uh, Serve God together as a family. Serve your family. Husbands, serve your wives. Wives, serve your husbands. Children, serve your parents. Uh, Parents, serve your children. We all ought to be serving each other. We all ought to be working for each other. We we all ought to be helping each other, seeking to humble ourselves and serve each other. That's the path to success. That's the path to winning in God's eyes. Serve in the church. There are so many things around the church that can be done. Uh, a camp. There, there was a, one, one of the um, preachers was talking about his friend. Um, and um, Some of you m- might know his name or heard of his name, Matt Guzzi. And, and he talked about when he was a teenager, when he was in college, that when he wasn't working, he'd call the youth pastor and say, hey, is there anything I can do to help with the church? Well, I, just because he was a servant. He desired to serve. Um, now, I understand we've got jobs, we've got different things. But when you're able to, figure out a time to come, come by the church and help. Figure out a time to come by the church and go out soul winning. Figure out a time, time to come by the church and clean and help and, and whatever needs to be done. Serve, serve in the church. Uh, well, one, of the, one of the great things that I, I did with my family um, growing up was serving together in the church. Um, my mom would, there would be times that she'd vacuum the church um, down at Salt Rock. And we'd go there at times and we'd do it together. It was fun. We got it done quicker and we served the Lord together. Uh, Pastor Clark always said this, I, I'm just growing up in the, in the church there, uh, his life verse, uh, one of the verses he said for his family was, serve the Lord with gladness. They said him and his family, they just served God together, and they were happy to do it. It wasn't out of duty. It wasn't out of drudge. It wasn't out of, I've got to do this. No, I get to do this. I get to serve the Lord, and you can serve the Lord with gladness. As families, be here and serve God. As families, be here on Sundays and, and serve other people. Uh, don't, don't just come for yourself. Come for others. Uh, come to show the love of Christ to visitors that come in. Come to be a blessing to others. None of us, we, we, we have no idea the things other people are going through. But you can come to church, and you can be a blessing, and you can serve Find something to do and serve. Just figure out something that you can do and serve others. Be a servant. If you would be chief, if you would be greatest, let, you, let, let, let him be the servant. Now, understand if you're being a servant, um, your attitude is not, I'm, I'm trying to be great. But God's saying if you want to be successful in life, you're going to have to serve people. You're going to have to serve me. Not, not me. I'm speaking as God. I'm, anyway, I think you understand what I mean. Um, God said, you must serve me. God Serve God, you'll be successful. Serve others, you'll be successful. And if we'll all have that attitude, we don't have to worry about ourselves because someone will serve us. Um, not because we're looking for it, but because we need it. All of us need to be served. Uh, we, we all have needs. We don't need to seek to meet them ourselves. Seek to meet the needs of someone else, and God will bless you. And you'll have your needs met. And, and, and you'll have everything that you need. God blesses people in different ways. Um, but I'm thankful um, at the, the times in my life when I know I've got God's blessing. I know I have God's hand in my life. Um, because it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not, not, not about my talents. It's, not about, it's about serving. It's about surrender. About waving that white flag, saying, God, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to be your enemy anymore. I'm your child. I'm on your side. And it's about us submitting and recognizing our place in God's economy, wherever that may be. We all have somebody over us. If anything, we've got God over us at all times. And if we, and I was speaking to the teenagers before the service, if we would all practice the presence of God, we would sin a whole lot less. We all understand, I'm sure if I said, who here believes God's with you at all times? We all raise our hands. But who here lives as if God's with you at all times? That might not be so, we might not be so quick to raise our hands. But if we live as if God's always with us because he is, we would submit. We would surrender and we would serve because that's his desire for us. God wants you to be successful. I want to hear when I see God face-to-face. as appointed to man wants to die. After this, the judgment. I'm looking forward to standing before God. And I desire with all my heart for him to say, well done. I, I, I like when people say I did a good job. I like um, my, my dad was just in. And um, I'm doing the best I can by God's help to raise our two children for the Lord. But I appreciated hearing from my dad saying, you and Kayla are doing a great job with Annabelle and Olivia. Now, I, I didn't say that myself. I think I fall short in several areas. But to hear somebody else say, to hear my dad say, good job, that, that, that's something special. And I may not approve of the way I live my life at times. I may think, man, I fall so short. But I desire to live for God. I hope you do as well. So that one day we stand before him and he says, Andy, good job. I'm proud of you, son. Uh, and all of us desire to hear that. You may not have heard it from your parents. You may not have heard it from your father. But you can very well hear it from your heavenly father. If you'll surrender, if you'll submit, and if you'll serve, that is the only way to be a winner. So the, the answer to the question, when is a winner or a loser? All the time. In God's eyes, winners are the ones that lose in the eyes of the world. In the world's eyes, the winners are the ones that win, but in God's eyes, those are losers. So it, it, not to be confusing, but winners are always losers. Depends on which type of winner you want to be. Do you want to be a winner in God's eyes, or do you want to be a winner in the world's eyes? If you're one of the world's eyes, God says you're a loser. You you, you lost. You you, you missed the boat. You missed the point. Um, But submit to God, surrender to God, and serve the Lord with gladness. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org.